Tonight, separate and not equal, a family shares their struggle to advocate for their son with Down syndrome in the heavily segregated New York City public school system. Their fight for integrated classrooms and inclusion as they turn the documentary camera on themselves when Metro Focus starts right now. This is Metro Focus with Raphael P. Roman, Jack Ford, and Jenna Flanagan. Metro Focus is made possible by the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gans Cooney Fund, Philemon M. D'Agostino Foundation, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, and by Jody and John Arnhold, Bernard and Denise Schwartz, Dr. Robert C. and Tina Sohn Foundation, the Ambrose Monell Foundation, Estate of Roland Carlin, the JPB Foundation. Good evening and welcome to Metro Focus. I'm Jenna Flanagan. The New York City public school system is the largest system in the nation and notoriously one of the most segregated. But while most of the focus falls on racial and economic segregation of schools, a new documentary shows that there is another form of systemic segregation happening that of children with disabilities. It's called Forget-Me-Not, and it offers an intimate portrait of one family's struggle to advocate for the disabled child in the New York City public school system. The film follows the story of filmmaker Olivier Bernier and his wife's special education teacher, Hilda, and their son, Emilio, who was born with Down syndrome. Hilda and Olivier want Emilio to be educated in an inclusive, integrated setting, but education officials insist on placing him in a segregated classroom without any neurotypical peers. Here's a preview. Emilio, <laughs> I see you. When I looked at him, I, I just saw a baby. For me, he just looked like my child. I've always kind of dreaded when we have to find a school for him. I just want to prep you. I think it's going to be a little bit of a battle. So you're telling me my son is not even on the picture of the curve. Like, why don't you create a bell curve that fits every child? We believe in your potential, and we are going to do everything we can to help you develop it. The vast majority of kids with intellectual disabilities is still segregated in the United States. I don't know what the DOE is afraid of, but they don't want it on camera. There's very little transparency into this process, and as a parent, it's incredibly intimidating. Media, say hi. Hey. It should not be okay that almost 60,000 students in New York City are in segregated settings. I want him to be exposed. I want him to take advantage of every opportunity every other kid has. I didn't know he was different, but the world knew he was different. And at that moment, I learned that my child needed to be included like every other child. You have to be your child's foremost advocate because no one is going to do it to a greater extent than you. By opening the door for someone like Amelia, we're opening the door for someone like me, a queer student, or for a transgender student, for the black students. It's a fight worth fighting for. I am arguing for passion. We must have passion if we're going to change the world. You don't know Emilio. You've seen him once. You don't know what's appropriate for him. I know deep inside of me that he's going to do everything. 
He just needs to be given the opportunity. And I'd like to welcome to Metro Focus, director Olivier Bernier and his wife, Hilda, to talk about the film and to share more of their family story. Thanks so much for having us. Absolutely. Thank you both so much. So first off, uh, just the telling of your son's story. I mean, so many of these uh, intimate portrait films, sometimes people might wonder, why would you want to share such a, you know, painful and yet intimate part of your life with the general public? Well, I think in the beginning, it wasn't uh, necessarily going to focus so much on our personal lives. But as we started making a film about inclusive education, we quickly saw Emilio being put on a track for segregation and we started to turn the cameras on ourselves. And ultimately, we just feel felt uh, compelled to tell the story. Now, Hilda, I think people might also wonder, uh, just from your own experience as a special education teacher, would you have not been prepared or were there things that still came as a surprise or shock to you in your son's journey? Um, Absolutely. Uh, For me, it was very uh, shocking how the administrators were uh, leading uh, to put him on a segregated setting at such an early age. Um, You know, from my understanding as uh, an educator, we should always start with the least restrictive environment and give the child the opportunity to participate on uh, general education classes first, and then uh, move on to different interventions as necessary. Uh, so for me, um, it was very shocking that at 2.5 a, uh, years old, he was already being placed on that direction. Well, did any of the uh, formal, I don't want to say formal educators, but administrators give you any reasoning behind what they felt was best for your son? They they have a whole litany of of reasoning. Um, You know, I think one example that's in the film is they show you a chart and where your child falls on that chart. Only Emilio didn't even fit onto the chart because they didn't make a bell curve that fits, you know, every child. So they try to give you a lot of reasons why your child won't be successful in a classroom, but ultimately, how can you know if you don't even try? Now, I want to make sure that we're, I guess, sensitive to all needs or perhaps what people's understanding is going into this. And some people might say, well, is that it might not seem fair, but given that our public schools are already overcrowded, teachers are already overwhelmed, and they don't even get the support that they need for neurotypical students, is it fair to the other students to put a child in the classroom who might need more of the teacher's attention? That's a fair question. I I think all school systems around the country are are overwhelmed in some sense, but um, that's a problem that needs to be solved. I, I think no child should be segregated just because of the way they're born, essentially. Emilio was born with Down syndrome and he deserves the opportunity to be in the classroom. Um, As you'll see in the film, there's uh, a lot of solutions that that are offered. And the the truth is that the solutions are out there. They just need to be implemented. Well, Hilda, I'm wondering what was uh, the process that your family went through? I mean, you said you started, I think you said two and a half years old when, you know, kids might just be in preschool and not even starting their formal education. But what was the process of finding out 
that people felt it was better to have your son separated? So to begin with, um, uh, babies start with early intervention. And there is a point when they are going to turn three that they are transitioning into from early intervention um, to to child's, uh, to preschool education, at which point it goes on the hands of the Department of Education. Um, and there is this whole battery of ex, uh, tests that the child has to go through um, to, to be uh, classified with a disability. Um, so based on these evaluations and, and you know, that are mostly done by people that don't know your child, um, uh, it's that they are making their recommendations. Um, so it, for, for, for us, it was uh, very disheartening how um, they use these, uh, these evaluations just to justify the fact that they need to be uh, separated from, from their peers. At age three, in my opinion, children should be playing together, learning from each other. Um, and starting from such an early age to just push them aside because of their difference, it's, it's, it's not fair for, for anybody, really. It's not fair for the children with disabilities. It's not fair for the children that don't seem to have any uh, uh, issues. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's, it, it's, it was very heartbreaking to, to see how, how, how this is uh, taking place uh, in, in such a um, blatant way. Well, you know, Olivia, that was one of the things that uh, even for myself watching the film that I didn't realize, which is that um, because this has been happening for so long, most people who are neurotypical, again, uh, might not even realize that this was even a thing. That's part of the reason why so many of us don't have any experience with uh, neurodivergent people, because we've never been exposed to them. When you came to that realization and you were dealing with your own son's journey, what did that tell you about uh, the socialization and the education that you got as a child? Well, when my son was born, I, I was completely unprepared for him. It was uh, a, sur a surprise to us that Emilio had Down syndrome and we learned about it only a few minutes after he was born. And very quickly, I realized that I didn't have the tools to understand what down syndrome was or what life could be like with down syndrome and when i started to look back at my own life i realized that um i had gone to to school and i'd never met anyone with down syndrome i'd never met anyone with autism or a significant disability and i went to a really good public school that was large and um you know i was just tried to understand why that could have happened or how that could have happened and Quickly, I came to the conclusion that all those children were segregated and they were hidden from us. So that's kind of set, set us on our journey to, to figure out what inclusive education is and what it could look like. Of course. And from an education point of view, uh, Hilda, you kind of touched on it, but what are the benefits for all children to be able to interact with and experience all the different uh, facets of neurodivergency? So there's uh, many studies that uh, confirm that 
neurotypical children benefit from the presence of, of children with disabilities in their classrooms. Uh, it helps boost their 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 uh, academic abilities, um, and it also helps uh, everybody to learn uh, how to deal with different kinds of uh, persons. Um, and and that is very important because when when children are learning from each other and they are exposed to 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 different backgrounds different abilities they will be equipped in the future to work and 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 participate in the community uh with all sorts of of of, of people so um it, i think it's uh, very important that children have the opportunity uh, to learn from each other and to care from each other. And, and it, it also creates more empathetic uh, and a more resilient society when we have the ability to, to work with each other. Um, so, you know, I, I feel that parents um, should not be, of neurotypical children should not be afraid of having children with disabilities in their uh kids classrooms because it really benefits everybody it's it, the benefit is not only for a child like my like my son but for everybody else that participates and has the opportunity to spend that amount of time every day uh with people of uh with disabilities or whatnot so building off of that point, I want to play uh, another clip from the film. And this clip, uh, you guys are visiting a highly integrated public school. And I want to emphasize this is a public school in Boston called the Henderson Inclusion School. And it serves, of course, as a model for the kind of inclusion, inclusion in education that you guys are talking about. So in the clip, uh, we're going to play... I want you guys to talk about what it is that you feel the school is doing right. So here's the clip. We are a Boston public school. Almost 40% of our students have disabilities. Now out of those 40%, about 18% have significant disabilities, where in many other schools would be in a segregated classroom. When you put three-year-olds together, three-year-olds think it's normal to be different and we embrace differences at age three. Somewhere around age eight, we start to qualify differences and we start to say some people are just not intelligent. Some people are gifted and talented and they should be separated. We disagreed. We kept all of our students together and we rose to be one of the highest academically performing elementary schools for students with and without disabilities. So, Olivier, tell us about the Henderson School. And first of all, how did you even find it? Because uh, New Yorkers in Boston are supposed to be like all in water. But also, why do you think there aren't more schools like it? Well, we found the Henderson School. It was kind of serendipitous. Um, we had interviewed someone named Thomas Hare, who's in the film and spent his life um, both studying inclusive education and implementing it into the government. Um, he was one of the authors of IDEA and, or the most recent version of IDEA. Um, and he introduced us to the Henderson School because he spent a lot of time going there and seeing how it worked and trying to understand it. So when we went to the Henderson School, they welcomed us with open arms and they said, yes, bring your cameras. 
come see, we want to show the world this model of education. And the more time we spent there, um, the more in love I fell with the place. It's at first it's, it's almost shocking because you don't think it's true. It's too good to be true. And then the more time you spend there, you realize that this is really a functioning school and everybody's very engaged. Um, and it's really an excellent model that I hope other people can take something away from. Well, Hilda, is that the type of model that they have? And again, this is a public school in Boston. Do you think that's something that can be recreated in such a massive institution like the New York City public school system? Um, it, it's, it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to uh, require a, a, a deep uh, look at how education needs to, to, to work um, because when you see the Henderson School, like everybody, it's on the same mindset of uh, uh, having all the children working together, whether they have a physical disability, an intellectual disability, or whether they're neurotypical. Um, so it, it requires a mindset. Teachers and administration administrators need to work on that mindset uh, because if not the adults are not on board, then it's going to be very hard to implement something like that. Everybody needs to believe that inclusion works. And in, if, if, if that mindset is not there, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a, a bumpy road. Um, I believe that all teachers should be prepared and trained to educate children with many learning profiles. So the way we, we train teachers also needs to, to be modified um, because th there shouldn't be a difference between gen ed teachers and special education teachers. Like there should be an understanding to make inclusion work that we are all educating the same uh, group of children and that there's different uh, ways to learn and that you know if we if we try to make it equitable it, it can it can happen and and it's uh, it, it, you can see it in the movie how you have um, children's with 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 physical uh, uh, disabilities and uh, they're just all playing in the playground and just having a good time together. Um, they acknowledge their differences and, and, and you know, and, and that's um, something that, that I think the teachers in this school do so beautifully is that they create this understanding that, that they are in there together for each other. One thing that you see in the school a lot is teachers problem solving and working together because every child has different challenges, whether they're uh, you know, whether they have a disability or not. So the teachers are constantly collaborating after school or between classes on and problem solving on how they can modify, how they can, um, you know, help these children succeed. And it's, it's really uh, something amazing to see. Well, one of the other things that this film does do is as frustrating, I'm sure, as your journey was with the public school system. At the same time, you also show that the country has come still a long way from the way it used to deal with neurodivergent people. And I was just wondering if 
you could tell us, uh, Olivier, a little bit about, or remind us about our past and how this country has traditionally dealt with people who didn't fit. Yeah, when we started making the film, I really didn't understand the landscape of how far we had come. Um, you know, my memory starts in the 90s uh, when I went to school. So, um, but looking back on it, it wasn't that long ago that a child that had a disability, an intellectual disability that was born with Down syndrome would be taken from the mother at birth, essentially, and brought to an institution and raised in an institution. And those institutions were really open until the 80s, but it wasn't until um, a documentary that Geraldo Rivera did in 1972 really exposed these institutions and what they were like. And they were horrible places, um, horrible places that lowered the life expectancy of a human, that um, they were not taught, they were roaming around naked. Um, and, and we show that in the documentary because it's important to see the progress that we've made over these years. From there, there's been laws written, um, you know, that that guarantee the right of a child to be educated in public schools. Um, but, you know, we have so much further to go. And I think that, you know, I hope our film pushes it a little further and just reminds people that if we all keep working together, we can um, make this world a better place for people with disabilities. Well, you know, education, or at least public education, definitely seems to be in some sort of a transitional place where a lot of families are finding that they have to be an advocate for their child as much as they are, you know, a support system and just a parent. And I'm wondering, um, and this is for both of you or either one of you doesn't matter, can you explain what due process means when it comes to uh, the context of federal law and challenging the Department of Education? I could, I could get, start with that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so th this, if that was a little more familiar going into the film um, or into Emilio's journey, but I had no idea that you had to sue the education system in order to get an equitable outcome for your child in, in many cases. So what due process is, is essentially a legal recourse for parents to um, advocate for their child. And uh, if they have a disagreement with the school's assessment of the child, um, you essentially have to go to court. And there's a whole industry of lawyers and advocates built around this. And the truth is that if you're of a low-income family um, and you don't have time or money to do this, um, you're, you're beholden to whatever the education system uh, recommends for your child. And the second part of that is that, you know, uh, this takes a lot of time. It takes years sometimes. There's still cases from the 70s, apparently, that are flying around New York. So, uh, you know, in that time, who loses? The child loses. Well, Hilda, what does what do we know about at least what the federal law says now and um, how does that work in practice? Well, um, the federal law has this due process recourse as, as a matter to 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 solve these uh, disagreements between administrators and parents. Um, the the right is there, um, but like Olivia mentioned, it, it's very time consuming um, and in it, it can it can be it can work against the parents because ma many parents don't have that time to just 
you know, go ahead and file for mediation and then hire lawyers or advocates if they need to. Um, so it's a it's an uphill battle for many, many families uh, that 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 would like to pursue due process, but just don't have uh, the means or the, the time to do it. Of course. And that is, I think, a common thread with so many issues that require, um, you know, legal intervention, if you will. But I don't want to end this interview without asking um, about your son, Emilio. And, you know, where is he now? Not right this second, but I mean, in terms of school, um, have you guys settled on an education system that you feel is going to be the most beneficial for him? So um, Emilio is in an inclusive classroom right now, and we are very, um, very satisfied with 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 that. Um, we we hope we can um, we can keep him uh, in 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 that setting, um, and you know we we have um, we are working with people that um, understand uh, where we are coming from and that are willing to work with us. Uh, to make inclusion work. Um, so at this point, uh, we are very uh, glad that things are moving along the way they are. Uh, we hope it stays like that. We don't, we cannot, I mean, it's 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 one of those things that you just never know because an IEP is a document that has to be revised every year. So every year um, recommendations are made and, um, you know, you have to kind of like reevaluate uh, uh, what you're gonna do if things change. So uh-huh. this is uh, a, a, a fluid document, a fluid circumstance, uh, but we hope we can um, we can uh, make it work for him. And very quickly, we have about ten seconds left. Is he still in the New York City public school system? No, we we recently moved to New Jersey, um, and uh, we're very happy with the support he's getting. All right. Well, unfortunately, we are going to have to leave it there, but an incredibly important story and such an intimate part of your lives that were shared. So thank you to Director Olivier Bernier and, of course, uh, your wife, Hilda. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you to Emilio for being willing to have his story shared. And, of course, the film is called Forget Me Not. So thank you both. Thank you for having us. Absolutely.